session with Dr. Farid Hulak. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. I'm going to get into the books of the week, but before I do, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let's get to the books of the week. The book for this week that I'll talk about on next Monday's show is The Practice by Seth Godin, The Practice, Shipping Creative Work. And this is actually another book recommended to me by my brother, who um, actually recommended the book I'll talk about tonight as well. And both books have blue covers. I don't know if there's something happening there, but either way, uh, he recommended this book to me. And actually, he really likes this author, Seth Godin, his book, The Practice, Shipping Creative Work. Apparently, it's good to help you and uh, how you produce work or put out work. And so I was interested to read it because my brother recommended it to me and I liked the concept. So look forward to reading that and sharing it with you on next Monday's show. The book of the week from last week that I'll talk about tonight is Humor Seriously by Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis. Humor Seriously, why humor is a secret weapon in business and life and how anyone can harness it, even you. And so in that subtitle, we already see the use of humor. And to begin with, I'd have to say they did a pretty good job, the authors, of making a book that was... Obviously, it's about humor, but from a more psychological, scientific perspective uh, and actually making it funny and lighthearted. And that's one of the themes of the book. And so I think they did a good job of illustrating the point or really demonstrating it to make it clear that when they talk about humor, they're not saying, first of all, that all of us are going to become professional comedians or can become professional comedians or that you have to be so funny. But there is this theme throughout the book, which I really liked about the way we approach life in general and being more lighthearted, having fun and looking for those types of opportunities. And the book does that as you're reading it. It was a a fun, light read, but there was a lot of important and interesting information in there as well. And that itself is something very important that when we make people engaged or keep them engaged, keep them interested, they're having fun, they're enjoying the process, they learn better too. And to be honest, this is something I have thought about for quite some time, um, but especially while reading this book and, and reflecting on it, of having more humor even on my show or in the things that I do uh, and that I haven't done that. And it's complicated. I might actually share a bit about that. But nonetheless, it did make me think about that. And a lot of us can probably remember whether it was one lecture or speech or a teacher or professor that we had that was very good at making learning fun and funny. And you likely will remember more from that type of a class than in a class that was more dry. So it can be important not just to make it more fun, but actually can contribute to learning. And so to begin with, the book starts off with a chapter of the introduction, a very good title, Gravity versus Levity. 
And so in this case, they don't mean gravity as in something in, in physics or uh, the pull of different planets on one another, but the gravity as in the seriousness of a situation or a topic and levity being making light of something, having fun, being humorous, and how often we think of these things as mutually exclusive, that if you're dealing with a serious issue or doing serious work, there's no space to be funny or have fun. It's serious and we should take it seriously. And joking about it means you don't take it seriously or undermines what you're um, talking about or what you're doing. And they explain that this is not the case at all and it's not true. And I think that's something very important to keep in mind that when we talk about having fun and being funny, you don't have to only do it in a party or in certain circumstances. It can be part of life in general, having that mindset and that approach to how you do essentially everything and how you live your life, but also keeping in mind that something serious, or if we think it's a serious topic because it's important, has gravity, it doesn't mean there isn't space for levity and actually that it might even be good to introduce some levity. I think a good example of this is you maybe have been to a funeral or some kind of a sad event. And if someone makes a joke in that kind of a situation, you often get even a stronger laugh or even a, a bigger reaction. I think there's tension there, emotions are being triggered, people are feeling strong things. But you usually notice when people make a joke like that, we don't take it as disrespectful or anything wrong. Often that happens and I'll touch on that as well. Um, but usually it actually comes from a very, usually if it's coming from a good place, people feel good and they enjoy it and actually it, it creates a good experience. So I thought that was a good way of putting it and something even like I said before. For me to think about uh, gravity and levity that you can actually talk about serious topics but make them fun and light at the same time and of course i think it does depend on the topics some of the things i talk about uh, you want to be very careful if i'm talking about suicide i probably will be uh, very careful and don't think a joke would make sense but other issues it might be more possible um, but i think it's an important point to keep in mind so you don't think that well my work is too serious or this situation in my life is serious there's no room for laughter and fun there but really we can have laughter and fun in all aspects of life or have that mindset which again beginning of the book and end and throughout the book it came up about creating this mindset that they didn't want to they don't want to turn people into comedians and you won't become a comedian by reading this book but it can help you first of all understand humor in a better way recognize it actually can be a, a good thing and there might be more opportunities for it than you think and also does help you could help you be a little bit more funny too um, so there are as I mentioned some scientific aspects or a lot of science in the book it quotes a lot of research um, here early on talking about the brain it didn't get as much into details of the brain um, but there was some neuroscience in here and so I'll read you this paragraph about different aspects of what happens to the brain or what happens when we laugh. So it says, when we laugh, our brains release a cocktail of hormones that make us feel happier, which comes from dopamine, more trusting, oxytocin, less stressed, lowered cortisol, and even slightly euphoric, which comes from endorphins. So we're euphoric, less stressed, we feel more trust, and we're happier. So we can see, obviously, those are good things that we experience when we laugh. And so, of course, we'd want to have a life with more of that in it. And the parts about trusting, um, we see throughout the, the book this theme that when you are building a culture, whether we're talking about um, a lot of work stuff comes up in this book, because both of the professors actually teach uh, at Stanford uh, Business School, um, 
so we see a lot of the theme of how it plays in the workplace. Um, we see a lot of them having this type of an environment where there's humor and how it contributes to creating a good environment in a lot of ways, including things like making people more creative and innovative, not as afraid to make mistakes if they are um, feeling in a way that, uh, you know, they feel comfortable that they can laugh and joke, uh, but also it builds more trust and you build connection. And even there's stories of political situations where laughing together allowed people to feel more safe, more trusting, more connecting. And so we can see how that takes place in the brain. So I'm not telling you uh, a secret by saying laughing is good for you. There is that old adage, laughter is the best medicine. Um, I think they have a joke. They say, well, medicine is the best medicine, but laughter is very good for us physically, our own emotions, but also in our relationships as well. Um, even when you think of romantic relationships, I think it's very important actually that you can joke and laugh with your partner, have at least a compatible, we talk about lots of compatibilities, but your sense of humor it doesn't mean you have to only like the same kinds of things and laugh at the same things, but it's very important that you can laugh together and have that, again, not just in telling jokes as in a comedic kind of a thing, um, but enjoy life with a lightheartedness. Uh, there's also an interesting part about figuring out what kind of humor or, uh, you know, comedian you are, you could say, or humor styles. And there's actually a questionnaire in the book. So there's four um, different humor styles that they have. And these get expressed or um, they come on two dimensions. It's kind of like a, a creates a cross. And so it's how expressive or subtle you are and also how aggressive or affiliative your humor is, which creates four um, different types of humor styles. There's the the magnet, and this is someone who's affiliative, meaning bringing people together. It's not going to be as many jokes at people's expenses, but also expressive. Um, there's the sweetheart, who is more subtle, but also affiliative, so not going to make as many jokes, but good at laughing and connecting people in some way. There's the sniper, which I think is an interesting title for one, which is aggressive and subtle. So this is the kind of person that might not make a lot of jokes. Definitely is not going to be, you know, doing the slapstick or anything too expressive, but will make little one-liners, zing, a zinger, or will kind of, uh, you know, be good at making one comment out of nowhere you might not expect that makes people laugh. Um, that's the sniper. And then there's the stand-up who is both aggressive and expressive. So it kind of comes from the stand-up comedian who can be on stage uh, and, you know, talking to everyone, interacting, can be aggressive, but also expressive. And you could take the quiz to see, there's a quiz at the end of the book, which is a mini quiz. There's a longer quiz online to see which one you are. Um, I fell more into the the stand-up and the magnet um, category myself. And uh, like any of these types of categories, when you say people are introvert and extrovert, it's not some kind of black or white label and you're only that thing. More than likely, um, you'll be a combination of them. You will be, of course, different in different situations. So if maybe you're new to a place, you might be more quiet, but if you know your friends, you might be joking in a different way. Some people might be more consistent in different type of context, but you know, that can change. But I thought that was interesting too, looking at, at that, the different types of um, humor styles. Now, related to different hum humor styles, one of the other myths, so there's this one issue of gravity and levity, that if something is serious or in a lot of situations, you you shouldn't be funny, and that's bad to be funny. Uh, another issue is that some people think, well, I'm just not funny. 
and they think of humor as something that you either got it or you don't. Kind of like a in the nature versus nurture, we think of it as nature. Some people are born funny or will say they have a good sense of humor um, and other people just don't. And so I think like any quality, there's going to be a range of abilities and skills, but also like almost any quality, there's a lot of work you can do to develop those different skills. And so uh, they talk about uh, Carol Dweck and how we sh should have a growth mindset when it comes to your humor that you shouldn't just think, well, I'm not funny, so I can't be funny, so I should just give up on being funny. And they say, no, that's definitely not the case. It's not one of those things that either you can do it or you can't. Uh, everyone can be funny um, and be humorous and have an creator encourage humor. It's not just for those select few that maybe come to your mind of, as funny people. You can create a fun and funny environment, even if you're not someone particularly funny. And so that takes some of the pressure off of you as well that they talk about in the book. It's not that, okay, if now you're going to be funny in your work or in something you're doing, you have to come up with the perfect joke. Because actually, sometimes when you try to create the perfect joke, if it's too contrived or feels too phony... People don't really like that feeling when you try too hard to get a laugh or you try too hard to make something funny. It usually makes people feel a little bit off or not so good. So you don't have to just be born with it. I think they have a kind of a line used making a joke, and there are lots of jokes throughout the book, uh, and it is humorous throughout. You don't have to be born with it. You can work on it and develop it. And so there's some... Uh, uh, you know, another interesting thing was they call something the humor cliff, that in our lives, people tend to be funny or laugh more um, during their early years and up in their teenage years. And there's this really huge dip around the 50s, uh, the age of 50s, 40, 50s, 60s, where it gets really low, goes up again in later life. But it's just that people, when they ask them, have you laughed or when's the last time you laughed a lot or did you laugh a lot yesterday or this week, we see that people just don't. And so it's not something that we're doing a lot of the times, even though it's one of the the most enjoyable things we can do in life and something we can do every day. Again, it doesn't mean life has to be a stand-up comedy show or we have to be so funny, but there's different things that, that we can do to make life more enjoyable. So they do give some advice or kind of some, uh, they break down humor in some ways. One of the things that can be important in humor is misdirection. So when you people think something is coming up and you change your mind, it creates this kind of a dissonance in your brain and your brain has to try to figure out what's going on and that can lead to you finding something funny and humorous. So in a lot of humor, you'll find people um, doing that. They'll misdirect you in a joke. You're expecting it to go one way and it goes the other way. Um, uh, there's also being observant of your own life, looking at life in general, because a lot of humor, you know, you think of someone like Jerry Seinfeld, his show Seinfeld was about nothing, or if you look at his humor, we'll talk about observational humor, and, you know, sometimes we'll say it's funny because it's true, and a lot of times good uh, comedians or even yourself by being funny, one of the things you can just do is notice your life or notice things in the world and try to think about what are things that maybe are a little bit strange or odd if you look at it from a different perspective. Um, so there was a little bit, again, it's not going to turn you into a comedian. Uh, the authors themselves actually have gone through training, uh, Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis, um, improv training, sketch comedy training, I think to experience it and learn from it, but also to understand it better. And, and they talk about those experiences in the book. But again, you don't need to be the funniest person in the room or become someone really funny. They talk about even how, you know, when we look at something like uh, our bodies. So there's movement 
just moving your body, which we all can do. There's exercise. And then there's being sports as in being like a professional um, athlete. But most of us won't be the athlete, but we can move and we can maybe exercise. Similar with humor. We're not all going to become professional comedians, but we can add humor into our lives as well. So it's not something that we have to become professionals at, but we can still enjoy the benefits. Let's go to a commercial break. After the break, I'll continue on the book, Humor Seriously by Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Talking about the book Humor Seriously by Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis. Uh, again, very enjoyable book talking about humor, how to approach life also in a fun, funnier way. And I was talking at the beginning of the book about gravity versus levity. And so we sometimes have this mindset. Actually, I think in the Persian culture, it's a very common mindset too of like being serious is so good. And if you're joking, it's silly and weak or not as smart or bad in a lot of ways. And I think that's very unfortunate because um, first of all, to be funny, it does take some intelligence. It's not like it's an easy or dumb thing. It doesn't mean you're taking things lightly or taking life lightly. I've even you've heard, you know, Persian parents, even I think I've experienced it, but I've heard this theme of, you know, seeing people having fun or laughing. I say, oh, look at these people. They're just, they take life so lightly or they don't realize what's important in life because they're laughing, not realizing that, you know, um, or thinking that if they're laughing, that means they take everything lightly. And that doesn't have to be the case. Very caring people can laugh. They can even laugh about things they care about. Um, as I said, at a funeral, maybe you can make some jokes that make people laugh. And actually, it doesn't mean you don't care about that person. It might mean you care a whole lot. So I don't agree. I think it's very important to keep in mind. Uh, and in this book, the companies they talk about are doing not just serious work, but really good work. Google, Pixar, Apple, um, these kinds of companies and all, all sorts of other ones that also have been successful. Um, they talk about how they've brought humor into the workplace. And it's not just that means telling knock-knock jokes or something like that, but making it so there's a lighthearted energy or vibe or feeling within the workplace. And oftentimes it's very important that that usually starts from the top because if you don't feel like your boss wants you joking around or taking things lightly. A lot of people, it's hard to be the one uh, to initiate that because you don't know how it's going to be received. And as I mentioned before, one of the things that makes people not want to be funny or try to make jokes or be lighthearted is they don't know how it will be received. First of all, am I going to be funny? What if I my joke falls flat or it offends someone? Um, or just is it allowed here to be funny in this workplace. And so they talk about how important it is as the higher ups in the company to set that tone and make it very clear that it's okay. We want to laugh here. We want to joke here. And actually, as I said, it leads to more creativity, innovation, trust, and comfort within your employees or the people working at the company. So it is a good thing. Um, so I thought that was very important that the stories they shared were from some very, very, some of the most successful companies in the world, showing that it's not just that you can have fun and do good work, but actually a lot of times you do good work because you're having fun or you've created that kind of culture. And so you see that throughout the book that they don't just say, oh, it's nice that we have fun and then we do good work, but that actually the fun, the humor, the lightheartedness creates an environment that makes it more likely for that good work to be created. So I thought that was very, very important. So again, you don't have to be the funniest person in the world. You don't have to be a comedian. 
you can just try to create a more lighthearted environment. And as I said, they've mentioned a lot of work type settings, but this is also true in life that we shouldn't just think that life is something to be taken seriously. It's something that we can enjoy um, to make life more enjoyable. And I thought that was very important. Now, it doesn't mean trying to be funny comes without risks. There is a certain level of vulnerability, a certain amount of putting yourself out there when you try to be funny. And you don't have to do anything that makes you too uncomfortable, but it's probably going to make you a little bit uncomfortable to add humor into whatever it is that you're doing. Um, And they do talk about how even people now might be more afraid because of sensitivities that we have or people being more aware of certain things, cancel culture they mention in the book, um, could make people a little bit more hesitant about it. And so they even talk about humor fails or times where you try to be funny and it doesn't quite work. Now, one thing they mentioned before I get into that specific part is some things, dynamics do affect um, what can make it better to make a joke or not. If you're making fun of someone in a work type of environment, they talk about punching up versus punching down. That usually, again, if your manager bosses are okay with this, if someone lower is making fun of and lower in the hierarchy of the, the this uh, workplace um, is making fun of someone higher, that usually can go well or people think it's fun. And if the person actually takes it well, let's say the manager, CEO, whoever it might be, that usually goes better. But punching down, meaning that if you make fun of someone who is working below you, so if the CEO makes fun of employees, that usually doesn't go well. People feel like you're almost being a bully or aggressive. And so it's interesting. There was this one woman who talked about always working in companies where she was kind of working with people much above her. Um, And then she switched to a company where she was now the CEO. She started, I think, her own company. And she had to adjust her way of being funny because it no longer felt good to the employees if she was making fun of people who work uh, below her, you know, were were not um, at her level. And really no one was when she was the CEO. So they talk about what should you do if and when you have a humor fail. And I should say when because... If you try to be funny enough times, you're sometimes going to get it wrong. Now, getting it wrong can mean a lot of things. Sometimes getting it wrong can just be, um, you know, something like people don't think it's something you say is funny. That's okay. But there is also issues where you might say something offensive. You might misread the room. You might hurt someone's feelings. So they give kind of a three-step um, process of what you can do. So they say first recognize. So the first thing is you have to recognize you made a mistake. And I think this is really important. People are so afraid to share that they've done something wrong or that maybe something they said was not okay. But I think we all should be open to that. It doesn't mean necessarily your intention was bad. Hopefully that wasn't the case. But it doesn't mean what you said didn't hurt someone's feelings, might not have been appropriate, or a lot of other things. So I hope people can have that openness. If you're taking that risk, yes, it is a risk to try to be funny or make things more humorous, but it doesn't mean because you're taking that risk, you should never have to face anything negative or have to recognize you might have done something wrong. So first, it's important to recognize that you did something wrong. The second part is tough. They talk about diagnosing, meaning trying to figure out, well, what did... I say that was wrong or not good about what I said. Did I offend someone? Did I 
do something too soon. They talk about that, how timing is very important in humor in lots of ways about making things funny, but also about when it's okay to talk about something. Or, you know, one uh, boss, uh, they lost an employee who usually ran the meetings, and he started the meeting by saying, um, you know, Jackie was the girl's name. Jackie, Jackie, are you there? And she had just gotten fired and people didn't feel good about that. But that boss actually did take it upon himself to apologize and say, actually, I think someone actually let her know that's not funny. And he, rather than getting defensive or offensive, he acknowledged it and said, you know, that was probably not right or appropriate. Can we do this again? And they kind of agreed to start the meeting all over again. So he was able to diagnose to realize, you know what, it was too soon. People felt a little bit uneasy about the situation. It wasn't the right way to make the joke. And actually related to that, uh, making a joke in that moment, you've maybe heard people say things like using humor as a defense mechanism. So this wasn't in the book specifically in in too much detail, but um, sometimes we try to be funny out of anxiety. So we are just trying to, uh, we don't know what to do. We get uncomfortable. So we try to just make a laugh or laugh or do something like that. So we want to be aware of that too. Kind of the, one of the flip sides of trying to be funny is, as is the case with everything, and I talk about this on the show all the time, it's not just what you're doing or what you're feeling. You want to go a little bit deeper to the why. So even if you're being funny, you make a joke, you don't want to just say, well, the book said humor is good, or I heard it on this podcast, so being funny is good. We want to ask you, well, why, why did I make a joke in this moment? Was it just um, wanting to make things light and it felt good and I'm having a good time and they're having a good time, or maybe I'm anxious and I'm trying to make light of things, ease some kind of tension, um, when maybe actually it'll be important to talk about what's going on. It's not going to be black and white, but as always, you want to ask yourself the why, but so it's very important to diagnose what happened that made the humor go not so right in this situation. And then very importantly, and this is the case really with any time we do something wrong, make things right. So either do something better the next time, apologize or acknowledge what you've done that might have hurt someone, but do something to let them know you've recognized you've done something wrong, acknowledge it, and do something to try to make it right. And I think that's so important because we very often, again, we get defensive. We don't want to say we've done something wrong. We don't want to um, uh, admit wrongdoing. But I think it's very important for us to do that in all aspects of our life, not just in the case of when you make a joke and it either falls flat or offends someone's feelings, but whatever it is we're doing in life, just in our day-to-day life, it's so important to do that. So I think that's really important. Now they had a little last chapter, it was like half chapter they called it, where they talked about how humor can be an important part of letting you live a better life. Um, one of the authors, I think it was Jennifer, uh, her mother worked in hospice, meaning she saw people dying. And so last week's book by Irvin Yalom and Marilyn Yalom, um, it looked at death, death anxiety was a very heavy topic. And I did say how in a way I was playfully, but also I think it was important to, it was a juxtaposition of death and humor, um, something so dark, but then going to something so happy and light, uh, but that humor can be a part of our lives or it should be a part of living a meaningful life. And so Jennifer's mother in dealing with people facing death very often by being uh, in hospice care, um, she talked about what she noticed people were doing that or realized were the regrets they can have in their life. What were the things that they wish they did? And so 
one of the big ones was uh, the themes were boldness, authenticity, presence, joy, and love. And so they talk about how all of these are related to humor and can be a big part of uh, having humor and taking things lightly in the book. And I thought that was very important. Authenticity. One of the reasons at times we don't try to um, say certain things or be funny is that we're afraid people are going to see our true self. And I think that was a very important theme that also came out through the book that we shouldn't be afraid or we should try to be bold and courageous to show who we are to people, to let them see who we are. And usually who they are is going to be shown by us being our true self, meaning we're going to be funny. Oftentimes being funny could be self-deprecating humor, that we are okay making fun of ourselves. Again, you always want to ask yourself why you're doing that, but being open to saying, you know what, I did this or I made this mistake or, oh, let me tell you the funny thing that happened to me the other day. And people will tend to know you better and feel closer to you, but it does take some level of risk. Of course, joy, um, a lot of people will wish they laughed more in their life they didn't take things so seriously. Related to death, there's this uh, kind of, I don't know, it's an anonymous quote, I think, or maybe there is an author to it, but uh, you know, don't take life so seriously, no one's getting out of here alive. We're all going to die. And so sometimes we can take things too seriously or even take these talks about death and life too seriously. Again, we don't want to take it, uh, undermine someone's experience or pain, but realize that we can put a lot more joy into our life. And lastly, love. I do think, as I said before, if you look at a romantic relationship or any close relationship that has love in it, you should be able to, or you want to be able to laugh with one another or have a good time. And if you don't have that, um, there's a lot that is missing. And so even at the end of the book, they interview Michael Lewis, and he talks about how in his life, if he notices things have kind of been boring or dull, he tries to notice that, observe that, and see how he can turn things around, whether he's with his family or just uh, you know, on his own, looking for the good and the light in life. And so I thought that was very interesting. So I really do recommend the book. Um, it, it does, a, I think, a great job of looking at humor, some of the myths and misconceptions that we have that might get in the way of us incorporating it or including it as a bigger part of our lives. Also gives some tips on how you can try to be funnier, include or introduce more humor into your workplace or into whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and also learn more about yourself. How are you when it comes to humor? What do you do to be funny? And also recognizing you can be funnier than you are, but it will take some risks. You're going to get it wrong sometimes, as long as you can recognize that and try to make things right. Um, that's okay. So I, I thought that was great. So I hope you will read it. Uh, again, thank you to Powerhome for recommending it to me. It, it, the name of the book was Humor Seriously, Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life and How Anyone Can Harness It, Even You, by Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis. All right, let's go to our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So I was talking about the book Humor Seriously, Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life by Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis. I do think it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Um, I did want to talk about, and this might come off as negating some of what I said before. I don't think it does though, but the other side of things, I did touch on what uh, can happen when we get humor wrong and taking, uh, recognizing what you did wrong, um, diagnosing the problem or issue of what happened and try to make things right. But I did want to talk about it in a bigger way too, because I think people 
oftentimes think, well, if I'm trying to be funny, if it's a joke, then it doesn't matter what we do. The person can't get mad. And I completely disagree with that mindset or that type of way of looking at things. So we can't say, because I'm joking, I can say anything. And actually, that itself reveals some of why people even do that. Uh, We sometimes use humor very often as a veil to express some kind of anger or to get in an insult or a jab at someone. But we say, oh, it's just a joke. Uh, Oftentimes, maybe we're afraid of the person or we don't want to get accused of being mean or saying something wrong. So we'll use joke as a perfect cover. So it's kind of like a poison pill or, you know, kind of sending someone a Trojan horse where it maybe looks nice like a gift. I'm just having fun. But inside is the real pain that we're trying to give to that person. So I think that logic to me is totally faulty to say because something is a joke, it makes it okay. Absolutely not. You can say that was my intention. That's what I was going for. But we have to recognize that when we say a joke, it doesn't mean it can't hurt the other person and it can't doesn't mean that we can't be wrong for what we said. So I hope you can take that type of logic out of your mind that because something is a joke, it makes it okay. And again, I would ask yourself, why am I making that joke? As I would say, ask yourself everything you're saying. Why am I saying this thing? Um, a lot of times I work with a couple and, you know, the husband or the wife, they keep making the same kind of quote unquote joke towards their partner. And the partner says, I don't like it. It hurts my feelings. And the person says, well, come on, I'm joking. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be so sensitive. And so if your partner is saying something is hurting their feelings or your friend or loved one, that should matter to you more than your joke. And to me, if you think something's funny, but the other person gets hurt, is offended and is left feeling not good, then it's not a joke anymore and you should take it seriously. So uh, to me, this is very important because I see it happen a lot in in smaller scale in relationships and bigger scale culturally as well. But we want to be mindful of the things we are saying. And if someone gets offended, we should at least pay attention to that. Again, it doesn't mean you are totally wrong. You're a bad person. Not at all. That doesn't have to be the case, but at least take a look at it. The pain is still real. And you do have to ask yourself, if you keep making the same joke towards one individual or in general, often it's reflecting something about you. If you keep making jokes about how cheap people are, how stupid they are, how this or that they are, that's more than likely reflecting something more about you than these other people that you are talking about. So you should take that part of it seriously too, to at least reflect. Again, don't think, oh, it's a joke. It's off limits for looking at whether it's good, bad, or what's going on there. I don't think so. I think all aspects of our behavior, of our lives, we should be looking at to try to understand better. So um, that first part to me is very important, that we don't just think that because I'm saying a joke, the other person is not allowed to be offended or say that they are offended. That doesn't make sense at all to me. Um, Something that we should really pay attention to. Another thing that's related to this and I wanted to talk about, uh, in a few days, it's going to be April Fool's here in United States. I don't know where else they celebrate, probably other places, but April Fool's Day on April 1st, it's a day where people pull pranks or do, you know, jokes on one another. And as I mentioned, the book talks about keeping things lighthearted. And there are a lot of pranks that come up in the book. And so I think that can be good, but it doesn't mean, again, any prank is okay. Um, One thing I think is horrible, sometimes you'll see these videos online of people pranking people. And I'm sometimes just 
blown away at the things that people will do to someone else just to try to get a laugh, just to try to go viral and make a video. They'll do really mean things to people. They'll trick people in horrible ways. They'll insult people, do all sorts of things just maybe because they can go viral or they can um, become famous or get likes or get views and then maybe even make money from that. Uh, And I think that's just horrible and really, really sad that we see this. And and it bothers me when I see that because I think it is something really bad. So actually, I thought that's interesting that I didn't plan to read this book a few days before April Fool's Day, but it just happened to be that way. And so I did want to talk about that as well, that there is, again, this notion that if you're joking, if it's a prank, then everything is okay. And that is not at all true. You can still affect someone. You can still insult someone. You can still even traumatize someone. I know that sounds extreme, but I've heard of many cases where people have been traumatized by a prank. For example, people will do like a fake kidnapping and throw someone in a van and drive them around and make it seem like, you know, um, they've been kidnapped as an adult. I mean, so not necessarily like a kid when we're talking about kidnapping. And they think it's funny. And now the person will have, they're traumatized because of course they didn't know it was a joke. They didn't know it was fake. Of course, the whole point, you're trying to make that person think it was real. And now they've been hugely affected by this. And so One of the aspects of what's going on here that I think is important is people's lack of empathy, putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. Because, okay, you're imagining, oh, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, it's going to be so funny. We're going to, you know, throw this person um, in the car, blindfold them, drive them around, yell all these things, pretend like we're going to, you know, kill them, beat them up, do whatever, ask for ransom. It's so funny. But that's in your perspective where you know it's so, it's all fake. What do you think that person is going through that you are doing this to? They don't know it's fake, obviously. So it feels very real. And that's terrifying. I even remember hearing the story back in one of my psychology classes of, um, you know, there's when people go into fraternities, sororities, sometimes they're known for hazing and the kind of pranks and teasing they do. Uh, There was a story many, this is decades ago where they took someone who was, I think, you know, pledging or rushing to be in a, in a fraternity. They tied him, they blindfolded him and put him down on the train tracks and the train was coming. And now they knew the train was going to switch tracks and not hit him. Um, but he didn't know, of course, and he hears a train coming. He can't move. He's tied, you know, stuck there. And the train passes him and now they finally get him up and they're laughing and he collapses and dies because his body reacted so severely to thinking he's about to get hit by a train that he literally died from it, you know, scared to death, literally. Um, so, yeah, it's funny to them, but what is happening to that person who is experiencing it? So I think, unfortunately, we often see this severe lack of empathy to think about what the other person is going through or to care about what they're going through. And the care about part, I think, is especially true um, when you look at things online. You see these pranks that people are doing and you can see they don't care at all what the other person is going through. They just care, is it gonna be funny? Are people gonna you know, share this and like it and do all that stuff? Um, they have no concern for that person. It's only about using them, exploiting them, using them to manipulate your the audience or manipulate what's going on for your own benefit. I think that's very selfish and I don't find those videos funny at all. I don't think that's okay. In general, I have issue with 
you know, there's so many things that have happened, of course, because of social media and the different types of media that we have. But when people make a video where they are talking to someone or dealing with someone in person, but that's not the person they're really trying to talk to. They're talking to their, um, the audience. So for example, they're pranking someone and it's, they're looking at the camera because they don't care about this guy or girl next to them. This person next to them is just again, dehumanized and made to be just uh, something they want to laugh at or enjoy. It's for the other person. And I think that's always an issue. And unfortunately it takes people away from experiencing with one another, having a real conversation or connection or communication with the person who's next to you and using them again, to just make people laugh at you or to make yourself look good or whatever that that might be and then you look at the comments of these types of videos and almost always you know there's people say oh sensitive people are going to say this is messed up or something now some people will sometimes say oh that guy's going to get beat up if you keep doing something like that to people but you know there'll be a lot of those people that say no one got hurt and this is one of my um biggest issues with them i maybe have said that a few times i have a lot of issues with them but this is i guess it illustrates one of the biggest reasons I do something like my show, which is the way we differentiate, distinguish, and clearly make one more superior when it comes to physical harm versus emotional harm. That physical harm is real, but emotional harm isn't real. People will even say, oh, they didn't get hurt if physically nothing happen to them. And, and sometimes it's funny because it's almost the other way around, depending on what we're talking about. But if someone did a prank on me and I got a cut on my arm that was not that severe, I would rather that than they do something that terrifies me, that might traumatize me and lead to more pain later on. The cut heals quickly. The emotional wound that they can do might be far worse. So it's interesting that we cr draw such a clear distinction. Did they get physically hurt is the only way that we would say they got hurt because emotions don't really matter. Or we have this sense that, oh, they're going to go away, but it does have an impact. And we hit, have been hurt just like physical pain in the same way we can say goes away. You get, you know, hit unless it permanently damages you. Okay. You hurt for a while. You're going to get better. Emotions can be the same, whereas they hurt and that shouldn't be okay anyway. And of course it can lead to more permanent damage as well. But I think that distinction to me is always interesting. Another one, I've mentioned this one a few times, one of the worst ones I've seen. I'm sure there's far worse because unfortunately, sadly, there isn't a shortage of these things. Was a video, was either a boyfriend or a husband, was going to trick his wife, girlfriend to thinking that she ran over her own dog. I mean, so horrible. So he got a kind of stuffed animal that kind of looked like her dog and I think put some red on him and put it next to right behind her wheel or something like that. And so she gets out of the car and thinks she hit her own dog. I, I couldn't believe it. And of course, she's devastated. Now, my hope is actually that it was fake because a lot of these prank videos, you can tell they're very fake and staged and made up. I hope it was fake for her sake and in some ways, of course, his sake too, that he wouldn't do something like that. Um, but I couldn't, I just was blown away and she was, you know, shocked, devastated, crying. And then he says, oh no, look, it's a, it's a doll. And people in the comments again, well, oh, nothing happened to the dog. So who cares? Again, nothing physically happened to the dog. Nothing physically happened to her. So no harm was done. No harm, no foul. And again, this blows my mind. Emotional pain is equal to physical pain. 
Emotional pain is another type of physical pain, or we can just say all types of pain are types of pain. So we try to differentiate or distinguish. But unfortunately, this points to how we think of physical pain as real and emotional pain as not real. Someone gets a medical diagnosis, oh, it's a tragedy, it's so bad. Someone gets depression, they're weak, it's their fault, it's in their head, it's not real. Even though when we do brain scans, and thankfully to the neuroscientists out there, we can see in the brain what's going on better, that something actually is going on. But sadly, people will say it's not real, which I think is very, very sad. So to me, that's so un. Uh, un uh, unfortunate that people will think of emotional pain as not real when it's very, very real. In some ways, it's even more real than physical pain in the sense that that's really what life is all about. How we feel physically, of course, matters, but how we feel overall, which is the emotion, is critical in what's really driving everything that we're doing. And lastly, I also want to talk about jokes that we make about certain groups of people. I know that people think, oh, it's funny and it's fun. And again, it's a joke so that it's okay. And I'm not saying we should never make jokes about something. Again, as I, I talked about in the book, we want to make light of, of serious things at time. But we always want to be aware of the effect that it has. What's the impact of what I'm saying? And when we talk about jokes and make stereotype jokes, it does perpetuate the stereotypes. It can contribute to hate or dislike of certain groups or dehumanization of certain groups. I am almost out of time. I have a lot more to say. Maybe I'll continue on this Wednesday on the show because I think it is something so important that I think it's it's very important to make light of things, to have fun, that we should be able to joke about most topics or almost any topic, but that we shouldn't just think that because it's a joke, it's okay. And if you ask me, if you can't be funny without making fun of people, without putting people down, without making a racist or a sexist joke, you're not very funny. Because if that's the only way that you can be funny, then you're not that funny. So if you say, oh, I want to make fun of my husband or my wife, or I want to do this or that, and even if it hurts their feelings, because I want to you know, have fun, or that's you know, because I'm funny. If you can't do it any other way, to me, you're not a very funny or humorous person, if that's the only way you can make things fun. And really, that's more a type of bullying, but using humor as your disguise, that you're putting people down, hurting them, but it's okay because I'm, I'm making a joke. So if you are in a relationship or any kind of experience, if someone tells you they're offended by your joke, like I said before, it doesn't mean they're always going to be right, that you did something really wrong, but you should care that you want to hear what they have to say. It could be something more about their sensitivity, but if you love someone, you should still care that they hurt. If you bump into your husband or your wife and they say, ow, and you didn't hit them that hard and they say, oh, you know what? I have this wound here on my body. So when you bump into this part of my body, it hurts for you to say, well, I didn't hit you that hard. It's your fault. You're sensitive. That would be so horrible to say, right? That would be such a mean thing to say. Our emotional body can be similar too. So if you say something to your loved one and they say, that hurts my feelings, I would hope that matters to you. Again, don't get so fixated. Unfortunately, we do on, am I a bad person? Did I do something wrong? Am I guilty or not guilty in this situation? That we lose sight of what's more important, that your loved one is hurting. That should be the issue. Imagine if you know, you walk into a room, husband and wife, and you see your child is bleeding. Are you going to be focused on, well, you know, did you leave that thing there? Or did I leave it? No, I think it's your fault or my fault. No, you're going to go make sure your kid is okay. Take care of their wound. Of course, even now I'm using a physical wound. Um, 
when I'm talking about how we shouldn't just focus on those, but just to make the example more clear. But um, we hopefully will just want to make our child okay, not worry about whose fault it was or who's good or bad. We should take care of that pain. Hopefully we'll do that when we're interacting one-on-one with our loved ones as well. So I'll leave it there. I think I'm going to pick up on this a bit on Wednesday because I think it's a very important topic. Hopefully you'll join me for that show. I appreciate everyone tuning in on Instagram, everyone listening uh, either online or here live. And also a big thank you as always to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolakwi. Have a wonderful night. Mm-hmm.